0: This, uh, see you in the Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to them, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying, In private, the teacher is here and is looking for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where more than met. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the the tomb. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died." When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her, So the Jews said, See how he loved it. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if Away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe you said. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him. Word of the Lord. There's a new phenomenon going on in media and uh, cultural folklore today that is called the zombie apocalypse. Anybody familiar with the zombie apocalypse? I confess I wasn't until I ran into Julio uh, Mason, who is an expert on all things zombie apocalypse. And apparently it's this belief that somehow by some chemical strain from the government or solar flare or who knows what, the majority of the planet will be turned into zombies, not dead, not alive, but rather somewhere in between. And these zombies who are indestructible will be roaming the. To dig a hole and hide, you got it. Shovel, yes. Xbox, no. Okay, here's another thing you don't need to have a subscription to Better Homes and Garden. <laughs> no need for a subscription to Better Homes and Garden because you're not going to be getting that special throw or that pillow for your house. You're going to be running for your life. So, no Better Homes and Gardens. I prefer homes and food. Okay? On the other hand, what you do need is dynamites. Okay? You know, they're coming at you, you throw a stick at them, boom! You know, they're all over the place. It's very exciting. Dynamite? Yay! Better homes and garden? No. Okay, here's another no, zombie apocalypse. A bagel slicer. Okay? They are dangerous, by the way. Number one reason for the trip to the ER? Bagel slicer. (laughs) Who knew? Okay, but you got bigger problems during the zombie apocalypse, okay? No bagel slicer. I put towel. Okay, because towels are very flexible, aren't they? If you're cleaning muck and dirt off your face because you've been running, or if you need a pillow, or maybe an infrequent wash. Towel? Good idea. Okay, number two, a gift certificate to Key West Yogurt. (laughs) Okay, you don't need a gift certificate to Key West Yogurt, because there is no Key West Yogurt, okay? There's no yogurt in zombie apocalypse, okay? More tough stuff, you know, like rations and hard. On the other hand, what you would like to take with you use a crossbow, right? <laughs> Crossbows are great. You can reuse the arrow. They can shoot over long distances. You know, they can take them out. Okay, number one, no, the American Express card. Don't leave home without it. Okay, you don't have a home. So leave home without it, okay? American Express card, nobody takes it. They take, uh, they take gold, maybe. They take ammunition, not the American Express. On the other hand, what you do want to take in the zombie apocalypse is a solar powered tank. Okay? <laughs> you don't need gasoline, it's solar power. You drive- death, there's life, and there's something in between. Well, it may work well on TV, but we know the reality is that there are only two states of life. And the truth of the matter is death isn't funny at all, is it? You know, we all lost friends and people to the specter of death. We got a text last night that one of own best friend's father had passed away, Robbie Klein, after a long battle with a diseased liver. And we've been able to. This has been something that's been going on for weeks and weeks as they have been fighting the battle of death to see the pain and suffering of this. to conquer death because death is the great prison in which humanity finds itself. And then finally, number three, we see in the passage that Jesus has not only come to conquer death, but he has broken the power of death. Indeed, through his death and life, we can have life as well. And so we have a choice. Which direction will we go? But we surely must go either into the tomb of death or into the womb, the new life. Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at our first point. Number one, Jesus was not afraid of death. We see in verse one that there was a certain man who was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Okay, Bethany was this village near uh, Jerusalem, about a couple miles away, and Jesus had been down there several times and had cultivated a relationship with Mary and Martha and obviously her. Uh, their brother. This was the same Mary and Martha. Mary sitting at the Lord's feet and Martha bustling around. But it's interesting what they say. They said to Jesus, they sent word and said, Lord, the one you love is ill. He who you love is ill. If you look at the Greek, it's the exact same language that's used talking about Jesus' closest friends, Peter, James, and John. That somehow, though we don't know about Lazarus, that Jesus has a deep intimate, abiding friendship, no less than these three key disciples. And so they have sent word, but Jesus says something totally uh, confounding. When Jesus heard it, he said, this illness will not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. See, these people, Mary and Martha, have sent word. Now, Jesus was uh, near the Sea of Galilee, so we're talking 50, 60 miles. Someone has an in effect run here to find Jesus, to give the message. The one you love is sick. And yet Jesus stays. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's so in the Greek, it literally means so therefore he stayed. See, that doesn't make any sense, does it? When you get a message, the one who you love is ill, you're you're gone, right? You're taking off because you don't know when the end is coming, if it's coming at all. And yet we see here that Jesus loved them, so therefore he stayed two days longer. How can that be? It can only mean one thing, that Jesus is not afraid of death. Jesus knows that he is not on a time schedule. Because Jesus is the life and the resurrection. And so Jesus somehow knows how long he is to stay. Because in verse 7, all of a sudden he says, let's go. And how can he know that Lazarus has died? He somehow knows because Jesus is Lord over death. Indeed, he is waiting for Lazarus to die so he can go. The disciples, rightly, say, you can't go. The last time you were in Jerusalem, which is only one chapter ago, they tried to stone you. If you go back there, they're going to kill you. But Jesus doesn't seem to be bothered by that as well. You know, I don't know that I'd go back to a town where they tried to stone me last time and to go in there with a, you know, just walk on in, but it's because Jesus is not afraid of death. Jesus explains why they're going. Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to wake him up. Jesus understands that there is another side he uses the word sleep. How can he do that? Because he's been on the other side. Because he is the architect of life. Jesus knows that people, that death is not the end, that there is something on the other side, heaven or hell. And so Jesus says, though he has died, but I go to wake him up. Just in a couple chapters before, Jesus said, I tell you the truth time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has lived in himself, life in himself, so he's granted the Son to have life in himself. Jesus explains when the disciples aren't getting him. He's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad he's dead, so that I may come and I may show you who I am. Does that mean that Jesus wasn't pained over Lazarus' death? and we'll see that later. Jesus is not afraid of death. As I was telling you about Robbie Klein, uh, our friend, uh, the father of our good friends, Dean Jimmy Coates, who passed away, was discovered that his liver was diseased and was slowly stopping working. And, you know, for a while they could give you the drugs and everything, but you get put on the transplant list because at the end of the day, it's got to get taken out and a new one has to come in. The problem is there's a lot, a lot of people on that list. And it's in a specific order and everything. Well, Robbie's son uh, had given, you know, if you need to have same blood type and so forth. So he had gotten an additional donor, uh, donation from his son. But his body didn't take it. And so now he has another liver and he's been opened up and the race begins. He moves up to critical care level one. And they have to find the liver and whatever region needs to give it up so that he can have it. They found one in Minnesota. And usually this is, you know, somebody's in a car accident. Somebody dies and there's that opportunity. They're an organ donor. And so Hope rose up. There's one in Michigan. And after a while, they didn't know what was going on. And they found out that Michigan had said no. Because of the, the, the people in their particular region and based on his health, and it's all it's factored in. And so the time continues, and they know the time is going short. And lo and behold, they find another donor in, what was it Tennessee or Carolina? I think it was in Tennessee, a 15-year-old who had passed away. And the race continued to go get this lever. I believe that the, the surgeon flew down there, checked it, came on back, inserted it, in, and put it in. And lo and behold, the complications end of the day was not able to save him. But you see, we understand that life is short and precious. It's a race against death, either when you're on the operating table or you're going to work or you're watching your kids or if you're living in your house. See, the truth of the matter, my friends, is we fear death. We try to outrun it, whether it's through staying fit whether it's through the beauty and all of the different cosmetics that promise eternal youth. I was in a Rite Aid pharmacy yesterday and decided to walk through the cosmetics counter. Unbelievable (laughs) how much stuff and how many promises. We're trying to outrun death, but death is faster. Which (laughs) Aid? Stay with me. We feel it. We feel it at the end of You know, it said we move from survival to stability to success to significance. As you look at your life and you're growing, you wonder the you know the question: Does my life amount to anything? You know, there's this thing where we try to maybe make a life that lasts us. You know, a name, a legacy, or so forth. It was a. Uh, it was uh, what was that guy's name? Woody Allen. And said, "I don't want to live on in the hearts of my countrymen. I want to live on in my apartments. <laughs> See, we're trying to outrun death, but we can't. But what Jesus is saying to us is we don't have to fear death. Because he is Lord over it. Jesus is trying to get the disciples, and he's trying to get the sisters, and he's trying to get us. To not look at death, but to look at Christ. When your life is a mess and you feel like a failure, don't look at death. Look at him. When you're constantly sick and it just seems like your body will never get better, do not look at death, but look at Him. When you feel discouraged and you wonder what's going to happen at the end of the day, what does Jesus say? He's not dead. He's asleep. There is an opportunity on the other side where Jesus goes to wake Lazarus up. So look to Him in life so you may see Him in death. Well, Jesus isn't afraid of death because Jesus has come to conquer death. And so why does Jesus wait these several days? Because he's deliberately setting up a standoff. It's going to be a standoff between these two titans, death and Jesus. And as Jesus goes uh, to these women, we can start to understand why Jesus wants to conquer death. And how he deals with these two women, we can understand his heart and why he is going The first one he sees is Martha. Martha's very interesting. As soon as she hears that the teacher is coming, she gets up quickly and she runs to him. And what does she say to him in verse 21? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There's something a little accusatory in there, isn't there? Lord, if you had been there, see it's been four days since he died, And Martha could do the math. Wait, you were two days and yet, wait a second, why didn't you come? If you had been here, Jesus, you would not have died. But then she said, even now, I know that God listens to you and will give you what you ask. See, there's a pleading in her voice, a hope, what she's seen Jesus do. That even now, if you want, if you wish, you can bring back my brother. Jesus says in verse 22, your brother will rise. And she says, I know the end of the resurrection. And then Jesus says in these astounding words, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, we discover in what Jesus is saying that resurrection is not a time. Resurrection is a person. Resurrection is not just a process, it's encased in this person, Jesus Christ, who is life himself, the giver of life, who says, if you believe in me, even though you die, you shall live. And if you live and believe in me, you shall never die. I'm so much more. I'm so much more than you think I am, Martha. I'm not the one who has a close uh, voice just with the Father. I am life the one that takes dead things and makes them alive. Martha, hearing this message and understanding I am the words of God, the resurrection and the life, believes and goes to get Mary. Mary comes, and Mary responds in a totally different way, doesn't she? Mary comes and she falls at Jesus' feet. Martha didn't do that. She says the exact same words in the Greek, like Martha. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But she didn't say, but I know God will give you everything you ask. You see, Martha is desperate, but Mary is broken. Mary has no answers. Martha has hope. Mary has none. And Jesus responds, verse 33, in a totally different way than how he responds to Martha. See, what Martha needed was truth, but what Mary needed was tears. Mary didn't need answers. She needed to know that Jesus cared, that Jesus could enter into her pain and her sorrow. And so Jesus does. It says as he looks at Mary and the crowd, he's moved in spirit and deeply troubled. His heart is wrenched. And Jesus sees where Lazarus is laid and he weeps. Now, why does Jesus weep? Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. In fact, five minutes later, he's going to do it. That people's crying will be turned to joy, that there will be festivity and you know the the balloon drop and everything's going to be fantastic and yet he sits and he weeps. Why? Because Jesus is weeping for the pain and the sorrow that death causes and all the people who he's not going to resurrect from the dead in this life. He weeps for his children who must experience the pain and brokenness of death which he never designed. Jesus hates death because he is the life. It is counter to all he is, and so he's moved. And so he gives Martha the truth, but he gives Mary tears. Jesus has come to conquer death simply because of this, that he loves us. Jesus tells us why he wants to conquer death, but Jesus, in this passage, has already told us how. Listen to this, when he talks to Martha, he says, I am the resurrection, the life. Whoever believes in me, actually, the the Greek word there, ice, it should more accurately be translated, whoever believes into me, though he die, yet shall he live. We see this several times, actually, where we see him talking about into him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes into him shall not perish. See, N in the Greek is in, "Ice" is into. Jesus is saying something deeper. you know how many times the word Christian is used in the Bible? Three times. Do you know how many times the words in Christ are used in the Bible? Ninety-one. See, Christianity is more than simply a belief. Christianity is a transformation. It's a moving into the life of another person. See, what Jesus is saying is there are two doorways, two places one can go. One is called the grave. It's the tomb. But one is called life. It's the womb. Jesus says, if anyone believes in me, he must be born again. See, in the tomb you must die. But in the womb, you must be born again. A new way has been opened. A new shelter. A new place to live. Covering a cave of his spirit and his blood and his life who shelters us and gives us life instead of death. And so Jesus in this miracle with Lazarus wants to show who he is. I remember as a kid, I may have told this story before, but I grew up in Dallas. And you know, Dallas is part of that with Oklahoma, like Tornado Alley. Okay? And they come sweeping down the plain and they come. When they come, they come. More Oklahoma, and my parents live in Tulsa. And this is just a part of life, and not as much in Dallas. But they come, and I remember as a kid, probably about six years old, maybe, with my sister, and you know we're out there looking at the through our picture window, and that sky has that funny green to it, okay? And we're in front of this huge picture window as we see the wind starting to pick up, and we're. in taking a shower and wasn't really tracking how fast the storm was building, walks out the door, and she sees us looking out, and this is like, you know, the Wicked Witch and like Kansas and everything. Unbelievable maelstrom, and right away she grabs us, and she takes us as far into the house, in the center of the house, where we have a closet, the strongest, safest place we have, and we all get in that closet, and we shut the door in the dark. Wait and wait. Finally, the wind subsides, and we leave as we walk out the door, and we see the carnage all around us in our neighborhood. Someone's almost entire roof is in our front yard. Miraculously, aside from losing some shingles and so forth, ours wasn't touched. But there is damage everywhere. See, why did my mom do that? Because she knew that there was place that was safe, that could shelter us from the storm. That's what Jesus is saying here. I'm the resurrection and the life. I can protect you. Come into me. Believe into me. See, death says I'm the expiration and the death. But Jesus says I'm the resurrection and the life. And so we must decide where we go to be sheltered from the storm Humanity and brokenness, either into the tomb or into the womb. For he who believes into Christ will never die, but he will live. And so Christ has come to conquer death, and he calls to Lazarus to come out. We see in verse 38 it says that he is deeply troubled again. But it says it a little bit different If you look at the Greek, deeply troubled actually is like a picture of a horse who is uh, breathing, and he's stomping his feet. It's an agitation. It's an anger. Jesus, as he was weeping with Mary, is now angry and upset. See, it's the same sort of thing when you weep for your child, and then you think of the guy that did this to your child. And you get that anger. And so Jesus goes to the tomb. Prepared to bring Lazarus from the death. But death will not go so quickly. It has its prize already, and it has its price. See, the law says that the one who sins is the one who dies. Jesus, all I'm doing is functioning in the way that I've been designed to. You can't touch me, and you can't have him. But there is another law, that one can be traded for another. To bring someone out of the grave, someone has to go in. This whole passage in verse 12 of John is shown as the turning point of the gospel. There's a reason that the disciples say you can't go back there because they're going to kill you. When Jesus does this final sign from chapter 12 on, at the end of this chapter you read that as soon as he does this, they begin to plot See, Jesus says to if you bring this person to life, I will bear you. If you raise him up, you must go down. If you take off his grave clothes, you must put them on. The story of Lazarus is the story of all of us. We who believe and don't believe, a way has been made. I told you with Robbie, if you remember, Robbie didn't have a donor at the beginning. And so his son, Jamie, Step forward. It's an amazing thing, you know. You can take out three quarters of a person's liver, and you can transfer it to another person, and the person's liver begins to grow again. But it's a very painful and intense surgery, and it didn't go well for Robbie, uh, for Jamie, who was in bad shape to begin with, and it was touch and go with him. They couldn't figure out what was going on for quite some time. We thought that it was Jamie who was going to die. And I by God's grace, he turned around. Can you imagine that? You wake up as the father and your son has died. But as much as that love and sacrifice was for Jamie, he couldn't save Rob. But we have someone, the resurrection and the life, who by his perfect death and his perfect love for us has given us his life, that we might go from death to life. Jesus has saved us. And so Jesus is able to say to the tomb, come out Lazarus, let him go. Because he is the resurrection and the life. Indeed, Jesus will go into the tomb after the cross. But because he is greater than death and has the power of the death, the Son of Man has the power to lay down his life and take it up again. How do I know that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? Because he's resurrected and choice today is to choose the womb, not the tomb. For he is the resurrection and the life. All who believe in him will never die. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this sign that shows who you are. You're the resurrection and the life because you resurrected and you live. Even now, Lord, you say that we can believe into you, that you will shelter us and cover us with your spirit, that we can find peace life, and in the life beyond. Lord, help us to take our eyes off of death and to put them on you. Help us to know your love and care, that you're not immune to our suffering. Help us to see your anger on the cross as you free us, and help us to live into you day by day, moment by moment, as we look forward to your coming and our resurrection from the dead. All of this we pray in Christ's name.